Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is put together by the Boise Nampa LDS Institute of Religion. Our hope here is to help young adults find relevant principles as they study this week's Come Follow Me scripture block. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It's not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions and perspectives, as we have learned to come follow him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Come, let's follow him. All right, well, welcome. It's, uh, it's good to be back with you. Um, this week, uh, we've got the infamous Trevor Dougal. Uh, it's good to be here. Go with us. Uh, uh, he is an inst- instructor down here at uh, the Boise and Ampa Institute, a good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, and uh, excited to have him uh, in with us uh, to talk about uh, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Trevor, uh, tell us something about you, some things we should know. What, what do you teach down here? Tell us about your family. Just a little intro. All right. Well, uh, I, I teach kind of right now all over the place. Yeah. So this last year I was at Mountain View and Pathways, Nampa Institute, Boise Institute. Um, my biggest classes were uh, mission prep. Yeah. Mission prep was kind of a big one, and that yeah. was fun to teach. Um, the Gathering of Israel class. And I, I, I just love teaching. Um, wherever I can be, it's fun to teach. Um, I have a family of seven now. Yeah. Um, we added a little baby just not that long ago. Yeah, and did. and uh, so it's a party at the Dougal clan. Well, it's good to have you and it's good to know you. Um, we're going to just jump in. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a couple of full scripture books to cover today. And uh, we want to, we uh, I think let's do this. Let's start at the end. Let's start at the end because I think if we start at the end, um, <clears throat> it it kind of maybe ties everything together. Um, we were talking before we hit record that it's almost like the writers of these two books just had like a thought journal that they just carried around with them all the time. And they were like, hey, that's a good thought. I'm going to write that down, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I have some stuff like that. I have like a quote journal in my phone that I keep track of just things that I like. But uh, I text message myself every day. Do you really? Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> That's funny. So you have a text string of, yep. of like just thoughts. Random your quotes own thoughts. from myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great. So let's start at the very end. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're covering Proverbs and Ecclesiastes today. Um, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is verse 13 and 14. It says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So everything we've just talked about, this is it. This is what matters. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. That's the whole job. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Period. End of story. That's what matters. So with that as our umbrella, right? Like that saying, this is it. Fear God and keep his commandments because he's going to take care of everything. Let's back clear up now to the beginning of Proverbs and uh, Brother Dougal, teach us what, uh, what stands out, what do you love, what do you think is most relevant, uh, not only to you and I, but young single adults that are going through it. Um, where would you take us? I think I could not do justice to Proverbs without heading right back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4. Okay. 
And so let's let's begin there. I think this is a verse we hear um, we hear quite often, and, and and we like to read it as it's like one solid verse. And so it begins with trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And I don't know. Sometimes when I hear that, I think to myself, am I just failing a lot? Yeah. Like, because there are so many different moments in my life where I want to trust, where I want to believe that Heavenly Father has my best interest, but mortality just kind of takes over. And I I just think to myself, maybe, maybe Heavenly Father knows everyone else. I trust in that. I believe in, in His abilities. But sometimes I think, but does, but does he trust in me? Mm-hmm. And can I trust in him for my own life? Yeah. Is, it, is, it, uh, is it a function of not trusting that he'll help or not being sure that he trusts you to do it? Oh, that's a good question. I, probably both. You know, I, I have faith that Heavenly Father can do incredible things. But I don't know if I always have faith that he'll do what I want him to do. Sure. And, and I, I think that's the hard thing is sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, Heavenly Father, this is what I want. Yeah. Can you do this for me? Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think we've been taught in, in years past that it's like, if you have enough faith, then Heavenly Father will do right. what it is that you want him to do. When in reality, Heavenly Father will do what is eternally significant right. for your life. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the trick, right? It is getting my desire beyond the now, right? I need to I need to say I want X to happen not because it'll make my life easy right now or it'll make my life happy right now, but because X will eventually and eternally make me happy, right? And and getting away from just seeing the now uh, maybe helps us align our will with his. Love it. Well, and I think that's where that next part of the verse, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Yeah, sure. uh, perspective is such an interesting thing to me. I always I always bring up the creepy clown theory. Okay. Like, I, I know it sounds weird, this but fun. this is the gospel right here. Um, I, I've always pictured, like, if I dress up as a creepy clown, right? Yeah. And I stand behind a door and I, I pretend someone walks in the door and I... <laughs> I, I put my fake knife out. That it's going to cause sincere fear. Yeah, and it, it's going to be real to them, and, and that's the interesting thing. Their perspective is shaped by their ideas that what's happening mm. is really scary. Yeah. Well, my perspective is different. You're you're having fun. Yeah, I'm having fun. Yeah. Like, and so we're in the same exact situation, and yet our perspectives about the situation are so different because of how we're seeing that moment. Mm. My understanding is so different than their understanding. And I think when I look at that verse, Heavenly Father's understanding, He sees things clear. Yeah. And we see things often through kind of a, a glass that's, you know, a little more <laughs> opaque than yeah, it right. maybe should be. It reminds me of the Bible dictionary definition of prayer. It says, uh, many of the so-called difficulties that arise about prayer arise from forgetting our relationship to God. Namely, that He's our Father and we're His child. And then it goes on and it says, um, uh, many prayers go unanswered because they in no way represent the, the mind or will of the Savior. And, and it's really literally just my perspective is this, I see this, this is what I want. And there's no, um, there's no getting out of uh, ourselves to see what the, what the whole is, our, leading to our understanding, right? Oh, I love it. Could you imagine what would happen? 
Mm-hmm. Like, if we trusted him both in the good times and the bad. Yeah. Well, it's the not my will but thine, right? Yeah. I'm willing to do that even if it's the worst thing literally on earth that could happen. Um, that was the Savior's example, right? Oh, and that very next verse, um, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Mm-hmm. I think that goes back to what you're sharing right there is when we acknowledge Heavenly Father both in the good and in the bad, because our perception of bad, um, I, I just keep thinking, uh, this is one of my, my text messages to myself um, that I wrote the other day. We, we desire sometimes learning without experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's like such, all the time. yeah, oh, like all the, <laughs> like, I want to learn something, but I don't want to experience it. And, yeah. and I don't want to go through the hurt. And I just think about it, every good thing I've ever had in my life, there was hurt. Like there was hard things. When I wanted to be good at sports, there was hurt. When I wanted to be good at dancing, there was, you know, I remember the first day I, I, I'm a ballroom teacher. My wife and I teach ballroom. And and the first time that I I did it, I remember coming home in tears (laughs) and everyone else knew what they were doing. And I came home and I was like, at first, I hate this. I don't, I don't ever want to go back. But then like the more that you focus on the growing it's it's not about the hurt, it's about the growing. And that that hurt mm. often leads to some of the greatest experiences that we have. Yeah, that I think that's true for me now. I think it was true for me when I was 22. And maybe even more true for me when I was 22, right? Everything was painful back then, right? Dating was tough and... And getting married in the first couple of years of marriage was was a struggle and a, and a learning experience. School's hard. I mean, there's so many things that a young person is dealing with, and all of it is uncomfortable. It's only after you get a little bit established in life that anything becomes more comfortable, <laughs> right? Yeah, man, that's big. That that, but but it's still true, right? Any growth, real growth, requires effort and and maybe even pain on some level. But, but, but the objective is to become like our Father in Heaven who fully understands whatever it is I'm learning right now. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I love, maybe, can I just bounce a couple of verses unless you want to go to the... Oh, yeah. Okay, so verse 7 continues this. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. But then look at verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. There's places in the temple where we hear those words. Um, it reminds me of uh, Doctrine and Covenants, um, where we're talking about the word of wisdom, um, and that, that maybe it's more than just a food law, that it is a, a wisdom law, right? You think about the beginning of the, wor- the word of wisdom, um, you know, and the, the language used there about wisdom and how we will gain uh, wisdom and, and strength. And Anyway, I, I, it's just kind of interesting that I think as we lean to God's understanding and not ours, it, it really applies to everything in our life. Oh, I love that. Well, and that, even that next verse, honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. Oh, man, yeah. I just think all we have to offer is us. Like at the end of the day, I don't think the Lord is looking for me to be someone that I'm not. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. I, I, I know when I was... You know, back when I was younger, I, I always wanted to put on the perception that I was something that I wasn't. Sure. And it was like, no, everything's good, and, yeah. and, you know, let's just smile through it, and let's go. But I also don't think the Lord wants the opposite. Right. 
where it's like, oh no, life is terrible and yeah. this is awful and nothing. Misery. Yeah, yeah, everything's so bad. <laughs> I think Heavenly Father wants both realism, but also acknowledgement that, hey, I get that you're there. Yeah. Like, I get that you're there. I, I'm going to trust in you and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to believe that whatever is put on my plate right now has been put for the right reason. Yeah, it, it's so cool and, and so interesting. I I, uh, I think that the thing on our plate is important, right? When we talked about the word of wisdom, we talked about the first fruits in verse 9, verse 10, so that thy barns shall be filled with plenty and thy presses be burst out with new wine, verse 11. Maybe this ties directly to what you were saying. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. I think back to David, uh, just what we talked about last week, that that David was like, search me, bring it, look into my soul. I've, I've gotten myself so that I love the correction from the Lord because it, it makes me better, it makes me happier in the long term. It's hard, it's correction from God, right? But, but man, that, those are the things that, that really help us grow, really help us develop. Are we willing to ask the questions of our Father in Heaven that are hard for us to hear the answer to? that maybe I already know the answer to, right? And it, it's interesting to me, I, I sometimes, and, and I think Brother Diebel and I talked about this last week, that, that sometimes I don't ask the question because I know the answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to ask the question. I know exactly what's wrong with me, right? But maybe there's more that the Lord would give you. Maybe, maybe our Father in Heaven would teach you how to overcome the trials that you're actually dealing with um, by going about it in a different way than what I think I should be doing. Anyway, I, I just love this section. Well, and how, how sweet is the growth mindset where I, I define my life by my growth yeah. and not by, by the path that got me to that growth yeah. and, and some of the hurt and heartache that got me there. And I think, you know, going back to conference, 1%. Mm. Like if I can grow in 1% in any given day or 1% in any, any given month on any topic, yeah. by the end of my life, Maybe maybe by the end of, like, you know, going into eternity. I don't know for sure, me how long sure. it'll take, but right. I'll become the kind of person that I want to be. Yeah, and, and I think, again, I think sometimes we think that then I will be happy, right? Then I will have accomplished, but there's joy in the process of getting there. Look at verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. And the man that getteth understanding. I think that's a process that's daily, right? I think every day I gain a little bit of wisdom, I'm happier. Every day I have some understanding, I'm happy, I'm joyful. It doesn't have to be someday I will fully understand the gospel and then I will be happy. The process of gaining that understanding makes us happy. Someday I will be married and then I will be happy. The process of doing it correctly and and looking to the prophet's counsel about how to do it or how to find a job or how to go to school or whatever the thing is you're working on, that process should find, you should find joy in going through that, not just as an outcome of that event. Oh, well, I, I look at the rest of Proverbs. I don't know what, uh, what he was thinking about as he was writing these things down, but it seems like wisdom is one of those things that he's yeah. like, wisdom is... I think sometimes we make it synonymous with knowledge, and I don't think it is. Yeah, no. I think knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is what we do with what we know. Oh, that's good. And, and when a person like, takes that knowledge <laughs> like, uh, of the gospel, there are some things that I am sure about. 
And there's some things that I don't fully understand. True. And when I use the things that I don't fully understand to continuously harm myself, I'm not happy. Yeah, yeah. But when I take those things that I am assured of, I know Heavenly Father loves me. I know He's my Father. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know why, but when I look at my own kids, like, I always tell my students, you're going to learn a lot about Heavenly Father when you have your own children. Because I look at my own kids, and no matter the amount of mistakes they make, no matter about the, the hardships, I mean, Maxwell, that kid, he's our destroyer. He, he loves to, do, he used our dishwasher as a trampoline. Oh, wow. And put the door down, busted it off. And, and I remember in the moment, I was, I was upset. But at the same time, in, in my head as a father, it's just a door. Yeah. But he's my son. Yeah. And, and more and more and more that I, I recognize my children that way, the more I think, our Heavenly Father, I know He loves us. I know He wants us to be happy. I know that His only desire in giving commandments mm. is growth. Yeah. It's not, oh, you missed that one. Right. Or, oh, why couldn't you have done better? Or, oh, it's just simply He looks at it and says, I want everything for you. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to give you this incredible path. And if you will follow it to the best of your ability, everything that you do will lead to your growth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that concept between wisdom and knowledge is, is brilliant. Um, uh, my wife went to BYU-Idaho, and uh, in, in one of her marriage and family classes she was taking, um, they talked about a study that had been done on the family proclamation, and, and a whole bunch of BYU-Idaho students had taken this uh, this test on the family proclamation and their knowledge in the written portion was huge. They could answer every question. It was a huge percentage that, that passed out, like 94% or something that passed the written knowledge portion. But then there was a portion of the, of the test that was more um, uh, experiential and uh, anecdotal, saying Here, here's a scenario where a family has this problem and this issue um, here are some solutions. Choose one that best fits with the family proclamation. And it was a massive amount that failed the application component of that test because the knowledge didn't necessarily translate to wisdom. I think we see that in seminary when we, when we teach young people and then they, they take the assessment at the end of every semester, right? They can answer all the questions and, and I don't know, 99% of them pass it the first time. But when it comes to actually living the things that they've learned and the principles that they've learned, that wisdom is maybe lost sometimes in there. And I think that's all of what Proverbs is, right? Yeah. It's all knowledge, but now go do the wisdom part of it, right? Go live the wisdom side. Uh, it's cool. Get wisdom and get understanding. I'm in verse, chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom and get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. So it's right there, right? Wisdom, oh. verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, and I think, honestly, the hardest parts of my life are when I felt the knowledge, but I didn't have the wisdom to use it right. Yeah. And, and those were some times in my life when, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, I know this. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had this moment, but like, I remember sitting down and praying one time and just saying, Heavenly Father, can you help me to be the kind of person that I believe in this gospel? Mm. Like my testimony of this gospel, I know this and I know this yeah, and I sure. know this, but will there ever come a day that I can actually live up to the ability that I know it? Yeah. 
And I remember the answer was just patience. <laughs> Dang it. Like, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean patience? I want now. But from an eternal perspective, I'm looking at such a mortal timeline yeah. that's like, I need now to be the, and, and Heavenly Father's looking at it and he's like, oh man, you're facing the right direction. Yeah. Like, and that, that to me, going that direction, like no matter how slow, no matter how fast, no matter how, as long as I am pointing on that direction, yeah. I'm eventually going to get there. And I think that's the thing I learned is wisdom is trusting enough in that knowledge to say, okay, I just need to keep myself in the right direction sure. and, and go with it. Yeah, yeah, and, and continue to walk that path, right? That, that uh, Elder Bednar, was Elder Bednar talk about? It, is, he's got a three-part video uh, ser segment on uh, light, patterns of light, it's called. And one of them uh, talks about how most of the time he says he receives light um, just enough to step into the fog in front of him. Um, it's not like somebody flipped on a light switch. It's just enough that I can see the next step. I take that next step and then I wait and the next step comes. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a lot of uh, our experience. I think most of us are kind of seeing through fog and waiting for a little bit of step in front of me to become visible. And, and it's just being patient. Patience, dang it. Ah, the <laughs> one, a, one thing we don't want to have. I know, right? Take us a little further in. What, uh, what else in Proverbs? Let's look on one more thing and then we'll jump into Ecclesiastes there. You know, let's jump over to 16. Okay. I, I know, I, I wish we had all the time in the world to go over everything. But this kind of just stood out to my heart. Verse 23 of 16. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think about those. Uh, what comes out of my mouth kind of tells me a little bit about myself. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to, when I struggle, to start saying things about myself derogatory, like, mm. oh, you're so dumb, why didn't you do this right? Mm. Or, oh, you should have, or, oh. And, yeah. and I've realized, um, my wife and I were having a talk the other day, and sometimes, I don't know, I think as members as a whole, <laughs> I say sometimes, it's funny because that sometimes I think means many, time. many times. <laughs> We we use sweetness with saltiness. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I, I was talking to my daughter about cleaning her room. And the other day, she finally cleaned it. It was wonderful. I was so happy. And I came in and I said, oh, thank you so much for cleaning your room. Sure. And I finished it off with, if only you would just keep it clean always. Yeah. Salt. I, and, <laughs> and I know, here's the salt and the wound. And I'm like, she just did something amazing. And rather than coming back and showing her that praise, now what's she going to remember? Yeah. She's going to remember the salt. Well, why can't yeah. you just... And I think about that for myself because how many times I do something good yeah. and I'm like, oh, you did that. Yeah. And it comes out of my lips and it comes out of my heart and it comes out of my mouth and I speak those pleasant words. Yeah. But then the next words are salty. Yeah. Well, yeah, but... If only you would have just can, done this more. Can you imagine if Heavenly Father did that with us? <laughs> like this morning, I repented the same thing I've done for the last like 40 years. And he's like, thanks for repenting. I forgive you. But you're going to do it again. Yeah. Like, oh, You're going to fail <laughs> right? once more. I mean, like, so. Oh. so, yeah, I think there's, there's, wisdom, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think there's, there's also something to 27. 
uh, chapter 16, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. I think sometimes when we are grateful for something, we also dig up something about that thing that we're like, yeah, except for, okay, but maybe this is not, right? Like, my bishop's so good at this, but, you know, sometimes he just messes this thing up, right? Or whatever. We just have to throw in the evil side. To, and I don't know whether we do that because probably we do that to keep ourselves elevated on some level. Um, that uh, Elder Hollins talked about uh, downing another quart of pickle juice every time <laughs> some, somebody else has anything good happen to them, right? Like, like we have to, woe is me because I didn't have a good thing happen. We dig up the evil. We, we, uh, we point out the flaws in others. Um, even in institutions, right? Even in the church, maybe um, we 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 can't recognize good without pointing out something that maybe isn't so good or something that's just a little off. And um, I don't know. It reminds me of Elder. Is it Elder Rasban talking about the the dingy boat uh, that picks Hell. up the guy out in the middle of the no, like five miles off the coast, and and he picks the guy up, and the guy's so grateful. Uh, out in the middle of uh, the ocean, so grateful that he got picked up, and and as he's sitting in this dingy boat with this guy that's driving the boat, it's all messed up, and he's got saltine crackers and water, and eventually the guy talks himself out of the boat and jumps back into the into the ocean, saying, "This boat's horrible, and how could it possibly get me to to shore?" And and I just think sometimes we need to value the boat that we're in, um, whether it's exactly what we want or not. Um, and, and I love those pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I, I think maybe we just need to be a little more soft about how we view things. Wonderful. I love well, that. Well, if you've so heard over the last little bit, I hear this. I hate, you know, I know the gospel is true, but I hate the culture. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. At first, I was like, I get that. I feel that. Sure. But now we're starting to see this counterculture. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I feel like both of them, like they're bookends. Mm -hmm. One is on this far left side. One is on this far right side. And we're trying on the fringes. So it's like, okay, I don't like the culture of the church. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go opposite. Yeah. You know, we see it with, with regards to so many different yeah. teachings now that it's, I'm going to go far to the other side because I really didn't like that. And I just think to myself... <laughs> The Savior's in the middle. Yeah, and it's so He's funny in the too, middle. Because when they do that, when we do that, it, it's not them. I think I'm part of it too. When we do that, it's almost as bad as, and in fact, I think sometimes we literally wear the shirt that says, I'm against that and I'm for, <laughs> for this, right? Or we buy a tie that's like, I support this, right? And, and it's somehow like we need to teach everybody around us the one thing that I've got on my head that is applicable uh, that, that's probably right. It's not wrong necessarily. That that cor that correction needs to be made or whatever. But but why do we feel a need to to teach in that way? Why can't we love and support and over the course of our experiences and being a, an example help people understand better rather than just shoving it down their throat because I've got a shirt on or. You know, I, I or put a flag in my front yard for whatever thing I'm standing for, or whatever. I think the problem is we we change worth, yeah. And that's you know, uh, I, I'm sure 
the idea of wisdom is, is one of those moments where you can see past the moment. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, we put in place of, well, my worth comes because I know a lot about this topic yeah. or I really feel passionate about this. Or sure. I, and, and so that's where my worth, when I can get one other person to follow me. Yeah. And I just think, follow Christ. Yeah, let's follow him. Yeah, let's right? follow when, him. When he comes back, it will be so, I think it will be so cool to have him teach us politically, you know, this is right. This is the center of things. This is the, can, can, we can do this and this. And, the, and we just need to agree to be supportive of everyone. And, and I just, I look forward to that day where, where we can learn from him politically and centered um, to, to be kind and giving and uh, supportive but expect uh, um, work and effort and, um, and balanced. Uh, it's going to be a sweet experience. Cool. Thank you for taking us there. Can we jump into uh, Ecclesiastes? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so Ecclesiastes. This is, uh, this is written by David's son, um, we believe, um, who uh, we, we called the preacher. And I think that's just a cool, a cool name. That would, that would be the title I would want. Uh, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So this is David's son. Um, and that's all we're going to do in, in verse uh, chapter 1. Chapter 2. I love chapter 2. Um, it, it, it's such an interesting, again, this is like a, a thought journal um, that he's just got on his hip all the time. He pulls it out. Um, he says, uh, verse 1, I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. So it, it's, it's a verse after verse after verse of him saying, I'm going to go find happiness here. And then he ends it with, and it's vanity. And there are 20, I count 24 things in the first, I don't know, 10 verses to, to find happiness. Um, he, this, this book has the word vanity. I can't, I didn't even count it. There's so many times the word vanity is in here. Well, even verse two of, of chapter one, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Right. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Yeah, right. And I just think that the, that vain, like vain, meaning it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Like at the end of your days, all all of these things, it's like, what what does it matter? Right. Uh, verse, uh, verse two, uh, chapter two, I saw it of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? <laughs> Verse four, I made, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees and all of them, ki all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water wherewith, the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maids, servants born in my house. I had great possessions, right? And he just keeps going and going, going. Uh, through verse 10, he continues, he says, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I got whatever I saw. Uh, I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoices in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then, verse 11, <laughs> I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit under the sun. <clears throat> I love that phrase, vexation of spirit. Like, my spirit was vexed. I was just miserable because I looked out and saw that everything I'd done. Now, remember, this is, <clears throat> this is David's son. This is, this is a guy who 
fully had everything, right? I mean, he's the, the king of, of Jerusalem. He's got everything, king of the whole land. Um, and and he, he says, I did for a long time gather stuff. I just wanted, I, I wanted to find my purpose um, by finding it this way. And for 11 verses, he just lists off all the things that he had found and then says, and my spirit was vexed because I didn't have happiness. Oh, man. If things could give us happiness. But, right. you know, that's the hard... A hundred years from now, if it doesn't matter today, why should it matter today? Yeah. And that's the... Things that matter last. Yeah. Like, and looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are some things that last yeah. and some things that, that don't. Yeah. And I, we, we sometimes get caught up by those things that don't really matter, yeah. but they matter now. Or they don't really matter, but they, you know, they're... They're in front of us. They're that thing that's blocking our eyes that, that stop us, that spiritual eclipse yeah. you know, that we sometimes get where it's like, I know there's a lot behind this, yeah. but right now the only thing that I can think about is this because it's right here. Sure, for sure. And uh, imagine what would be if we could just take a few steps back. I mean, all of a sudden, although that eclipse isn't leaving, it's still right in front of your face. Yeah. But a few steps back and you can start to see the things around it. Mm -hmm. And you can start to see the things as it moves, and you can start to see, and, and that's the thing is mortality, the hardest part about it is mortality. Right. Like it's, it's just such a fleeting moment where we're always, what's in it for me now? Yeah. What can I gain from it now? I go back to President, President Uchtdorf gave a talk a little bit ago on patience and those things, and he gave the kids the marshmallows. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and had them wait. And, and it was amazing to see how many of them you know, I mean, knowing that he would come back, still partook of the marshmallow and, and, and sure. just ate it in the middle. And, yeah. and I'm sure to them in that moment, it was like marshmallow good. Right. Right. Yummy. It's going right. to taste good. Yeah. And weren't quite able to see, okay, marshmallow is good. Like this but is more marshmallow, better, but more marshmallow, better. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Down the road, more marshmallow. Yeah. And, and can you imagine if we could wrap our heads around that and just think to ourselves, what am I willing to really give up now for what really matters yeah. later? Yeah, it's the, it's the concept of happiness is good, but joy is better, right? Uh, I think about, um, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think about going through my younger life and constantly thinking, when I have that thing, I'll be happy. When, I'm, when I've finished my degree, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. And I never was, I, I, because there was always something else to do. Um, I think even in deciding what I was going to study and deciding what I was going to do for a living, um, there was no joy found in it because I was constantly looking forward to the next step in the process of figuring it out. And I really feel like this, this statement of vexation of spirit is really where our young people find, our, find themselves. I know I found myself there. I find myself there now. When I just keep looking forward and I don't enjoy what's going on now. Um, one of the apostles, I, I wish I had it written down here, um, said before he passed away, uh, was being interviewed by someone and, and they said, maybe you know the answer to this, I don't. Um, they said, uh, the, the interviewee said, how, how is it to no longer be able to do all the things you used to do? And, and the response was brilliant. The response was, when you no longer can do that which you did, you only do that which matters the most. And I thought, man, 
why don't why don't I just do that which matters the most? <laughs> I have so much more time, right? I have so much more time. Um, Elder Elder uh, Bednar teaches about spinning plates, the circus show, right? Where you're spinning plates, and you really can only spin so many plates, and none of them are going the same speed. They're all slowing down except for the one you're focused on, right? Um, and when so, I think too often we try to spin so many plates um, that none of them are really spinning well, and we feel badly if we only have three plates spinning. Somehow in our world, our culture maybe, we feel like we need to have 15 pl plates spinning, and they all need to be spinning at the same speed. Um, but he, he would tell you, Elder Bednar would tell you to set some plates down. You can't be a doctor and a lawyer and an and a institute instructor, and you can't do all those things at the same time and do them all equally well. So find one that you enjoy um, and, and then go find joy in doing that thing um, and spin that plate and spin your family plate and spin the church plate, right? Find three or four plates. Don't find 15,000 plates to try to spin them all. And I think that vexation of spirit often today shows up in mental health. Yeah, for like sure. Like that, that uh, my background is in mental health. I worked there for a long time and, and it was interesting because we, I don't know. I, I think we think everyone's just good. Yeah. You know, that they've got it down. But we all have mental health moments. We all have that vexation yeah, sure. where sometimes it's like, this just isn't the way that I'm going. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There is a difference between situational sure. and, and long-term clinical. Yeah. Um, and it's important to know that those things are, are so different. But sometimes the hardest situational struggles that I've had, that vexation of spirit, that sure. mental Because you know, of this struggle, moment. Because of this moment. And, and that's the hard thing is often I put so much on my plate and so much upon myself. Like it was like, I just need this and I need to be perfect and I need to be in this idea. So unattainable. Yeah. But this desire, because I'm a good member of the church, right? right? I want to be a good member, and so be ye therefore perfect. And I just thought, I'm not perfect, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this. And, and it mm. became so easy to just degrade. Yeah. And, and both mentally and, you know, the things that came out of my mouth started to become less positive. Yeah. The things that came out of my heart started to be less positive. Yeah. The things that went to my head... And as that time went on, I, I think, and, and I see it in, I see it in our young single adults. I see it in our old married adults. I sure. see it in our young children. Yeah. Just this idea that, you know, everything has to look this way, hmm. or I have to have this, or I have to have this. And, and can you imagine the preacher as he's saying, it's all vanity. Yeah. Like what you really want. None of this matters, buddy. <laughs> what you really want yeah. is going to last. Yeah. And what you really don't need, it's not. Well, you know, it makes me think of our, our young missionaries. Um, so many of them are coming home uh, with anxiety and um, mental health struggles. And, and I don't want to discount that. I, I think there, there is a lot of validity and real um, mental health challenges that are going on. But, but some of me also uh, wonders if our culture is preparing them to go out into a place where they've never really had to be anxious about anything. Uh, even making phone calls. That Our young people aren't super comfortable making phone calls. And so uh, skip the phone call and go straight to knocking on doors, and there's anxiety there. It's, ang it's, ang it's an anxious activity, right? That, that individual activity itself is uh, an anxious event. 
And so I wonder sometimes if we misinterpret I'm feeling anxious because I'm doing anxious things to um, uh, I have anxiety. And again, please don't misunderstand me. I, I think anxiety is a real thing. Um, but, but I wonder if, if, we would, if we were able to separate and say this causes anxiety, this event causes anxiety for everybody, uh, no matter what your personality is, um, and, and these are uh, anxiety triggers, um, and look at them differently. I, I wonder if, uh, if our Heavenly Father would want us to work through some anxiety things that, that do cause anxiety. And, and Anyway, I, I, that was just something that... Oh, I love uh, it. This, spirit, this vexed spirit uh, just keeps coming back. In fact, a little later in this chapter, chapter 2, um, he goes on and he... Uh, verse 15, he says, Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to, be, to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. So this thing that happens to fools even happens to me. And there's one thing that happens to both of us. He goes on, For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. <laughs> so he starts alluding to death, right? But, but he doesn't say it yet. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? How am I going to... I'm the king of Jerusalem. I am wise. I have everything. And the fool across the street, die. if he and I die at the same time, we both die. <laughs> and there's nothing else. We're both and dead. And it's over. Right? <laughs> he, he just... And then he gets into it again. He says, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. It's hard. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And I was miserable again, right? And uh, I hated all my labor, which I had taken. The next verse is 18. Uh, because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. Some guy's going to come in after me, and he's going to get all the stuff I worked for. And who knoweth whether he shall be wise or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have shewed myself wise under the sun? This is also vanity. Like, this guy's like, oh my stars, like nothing lasts. Nothing's no here. No one's going to remember me, so I'm going to write this book down. <laughs> Maybe they'll remember me there, right? But That's why that therefore in the next verse. I love, yeah. love that word. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. Like... I, I just picture this, that it's like, because this is miserable, yeah. everything is miserable. Everything is miserable. And, and, oh man, how often is it like 10 seconds of my day are rough, and so what do I do? I make, I make the rest of those 24 hours as miserable as I can because I'm like, oh, well, it's just not going to work out anyway. And then, yeah. oh, and then time goes on, and, and therefore, because of all of this that I've experienced up above, yeah. I now have turned everything that could have still been joy right. into something that brings vexation. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of Korahor a little bit in, in uh, Alma chapter 30. Um, and nothing directly that he says, but I think there was some, there was some mental uh, gymnastics going on between Korahor that are similar to what the preacher here is doing, right? He's looking at his life. He's saying, I've been good. I'm doing all these things. And what's it profiting me? It's profiting me nothing here. Um, and, and I'm not happy, and I'm not finding joy. 
The difference is, is the preacher takes it one direction and Korihor takes it the other direction. Korihor says, I'm not happy, I'm not finding joy, and I've been living the gospel or I'm seeing the gospel taught all around me, and it's not doing what I think it should be doing, thus it's not true. The preacher says, okay, I'm not happy, I'm looking at all these things that I've done, and maybe there's something to this God thing. Maybe there's something, and he goes acts in faith, and Korhor acts in his doubts, right? And, uh, and even covers up what he knows to be true eventually, uh, Korhor does. But th there's something similar in the, in the thinking here that maybe is instructive for all of us, that I can recognize that my life has hard trials and challenges, and that I have stuff, but it's not making me happy, and that when I live the gospel, it doesn't necessarily take away all my problems, um, and I can be given real issues in my life, um, and they don't fix things. It doesn't fix things. Um, but if I act in faith, I can be fed, and I can have joy, and I can feel the way that the preacher here is feeling, that now I'm just going to teach you to gain wisdom and to act in wisdom, because through doing that and, and remaining faithful to the Savior, you're going to be happy. You're going to find joy, even if everything in your world is falling apart. You're going to have what the Savior promises you, which is peace, that he'll give you his peace, um, not as the world gives, right? And, 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 and that, I think, is the trick, is not looking for it like the world gives. That's what Korhor was looking for. Yeah. He was looking for it like the world gives, and he just wasn't going to find it. Uh, I just think there's something really powerful in, in these chapters and what, what the preacher is teaching us here. Well, and that just, it really makes me think, maybe a question is, can we find joy in trial? Yeah. Can we find joy in struggle? Can we find joy in, in failure? Yeah. And I don't think Heavenly Father sent us down here to not experience and gain experience. Right. Yeah. I think we, we were sent down here to experience. Like, no one yells <laughs> at a baby when they're learning to walk. Yeah, like, right. But we do that to ourselves every day. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I see a little, like my little Lucy. Um, so for, for those of you who don't, we had a little baby. Uh, she's young. She's beautiful. She's awesome. Um, she has a, a brain malformation that has kind of put her a little bit behind. And, and this last week, I had a, one of those woe is me moments. Um, I brought her into to nursery, and, and I looked, and all of the other kids can walk, mm -hmm. and Lucy can't yet. And all the other kids could sit on chairs, and Lucy can't yet. And we, we brought her out of the meeting and my, my wife shared and, and I just had one of those moments of like, Heavenly Father, why? Like this girl is so good. Mm -hmm. She deserves to be able to sit like the other ones and she can't. She deserves to walk like the other ones. And, and it's been so interesting watching her learn because she's learning at a pace that is different than everyone else, but it's okay. Yeah. Her learning to walk like we joy every time she stands and falls simply because she stood. Yeah. And even though she fell, she stood. Yeah. And because of that, it's really easy for me to look at it and say, I love that she can stand right now. That is so awesome. Yeah. And then when she falls, I don't look at her and say, why are you falling? Like, right. why can't you? I, I look at the fact that she stood mm -hmm. And the fact that she was able to do that, and the more that I see that, I just, 
Mm. Heavenly Father's character to me is so good. Yeah. Is so loving. Yeah, you know, I, I love the, I love the, I love your daughter. She's so, so precious. Um, and, and to know her, for those that don't know her and won't know her, um, you wouldn't know uh, right now, at least, um, just meeting her, um, of her uh, deficiencies there and, and, but they're significant. There, there's some significant things, and and you and your your wife are are uh, just angels uh, the way that you are with her. And I think she's an angel in your home. Um, thank you for sharing that. I I love what you said at the beginning that that God doesn't send us down here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. I'm sure God doesn't send us down here to gain experience without experiencing. Right. It reminds me of of Elder Holland's uh, conversation about uh, comfortable Christianity where we sit on our little Christian cloud and, and we say, oh, I want to be just like you, God, but please don't give me any trouble, right? I don't want any trials. It, it, it's, uh, uh, it is just exactly what we are. We, we just don't want to go through. And, and one of the things I love about Ecclesiastes, after he gets done kind of telling us his experience, he just, kind of like Proverbs, he just goes line after line, and it's just one-liners. It's like chapters of one-liners that are just really good. Uh, maybe I'll just read a couple that stand out to me. This is in chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift this fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Hmm. Right? I mean, it's just simple. Yeah. Two people are better than one. Go, yeah. go get a They're partner. Help you out. Do this together. Thir verse 13. Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Poor and wise child, better than an old and foolish king who won't be admonished anymore. Anyway, similarly, it, it, it's just verse after verse after verse after verse of wisdom um, that uh, this uh, preacher thought would be helpful to us. Um, any, any beyond chapter 4 that stand out to you? And, and maybe we'll wrap this up. Can I go backwards? Sure, yeah. Would you be okay? Yeah. Go back to chapter 3. Yeah. And, and maybe with all of these awesome words, and I think Proverbs and Ecclesiastes go so well together. Yeah. Just, I, I think the, the learn wisdom, get wisdom, and then it all goes back to trust in God. Yeah. But like in, in chapter three of Ecclesiastes, I, I think of comfortability as, I don't know, it's maybe this generation's greatest struggle. Like maybe yeah. not this time, yeah. Of struggle because we have been so incredibly blessed over the last little bit that comfortability is all I want. When, you know, I remember the internet way back when, when I was young, and to put in the internet, you would put in a disc and it right. would take, you know, and <laughs> after a while, and I was so grateful the moment it came up, and I'm like, yeah, and then scroll through like one page every hour, and it was right. the joy of life. And now, if my phone goes down for more than like a second, I know. come on, what phone, happened? Like, what is wrong? And, <laughs> and, and I just think comfortability might also be our greatest blessing, but is also one of the greatest deterrents of our life yeah. for growth. Yeah. And I think, you know, things are as they are simply because no one, no one has changed it. Um, I, I think about, you know, the modern toilet. How yep. many years has the modern toilet stand or stood around? Yeah. yeah. Well, why? Because people are comfortable with it. It right. works. Yeah. Why change it? But if someone came along and said, I could do that better. I could do that better. Yeah. Oh, instant millionaire, right? Yeah, they right. could come out with something. And that's the, you know, the idea of growth is yeah. when we are uncomfortable, 
we have two things that we do. We either grow or we, we turn away. Yeah. And, and when we are uncomfortable, sometimes those moments mm. are the most powerful moments in our life. And I think of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, um, to everything there is a season and a time mm. to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Mm. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend, a time for silence, a time for love, a time for hate, a time for war, a time for peace. All of these different seasons that occur. And it's interesting, my, my wife once said to me a few years ago, a, a parable of a farmer. And she talked about a farmer that every year in one field he would plant corn and in the other field he would plant potatoes mm. and and he would switch them every year because that's you know to keep the soil Put good the ground, right? so you'd switch them over well one year the sun comes out of the farmer and he sees corn mm. growing in the potato field oh no and it's good corn yeah and and the son asks the father well what do we do and the father says to him well right now that corn is a weed and I thought about that because you look at this and there's seasons. Yeah. And sometimes the season is corn and sometimes it's potatoes. Yeah. But when corn is growing in the potatoes, it's a weed. Yeah. And so rather than letting... Oh, that's I mean, really cool. <clears throat> it, it's a good thing, but it's not good for now. Yeah. And so to go out and pluck that corn out, now you give the potatoes a chance to grow in their season. Yeah. And so it's okay... It's okay to have a time of sadness. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that stands out to me. And I love that analogy, by the way. Um, but that's the thing that stands out to me is we live in a culture that doesn't want any of the negative times, right? We don't want a time to kill. We should just love, right? And, and yes, but there is a time where that's needed. Um, a, a time to cast away stones, get rid of those stones. That's all we live in now. We just yeah. stop throwing stones, just right? No, no, there's, there's times where, <clears throat> oh man, I'm going to say this, but there's times where somebody getting thumped on the head is the right thing. And, and I think of the Savior and I think there were, <laughs> you know, we think of the people that came to the Savior wanting his help. And they were so loved and so um, beloved by him. But we're so quick to ignore the people that he rebuked and the Pharisees and Sadducees that he, he thumped on a little bit um, when they did the wrong thing and, and tipping over the tables at the temple. And we're so quick to ignore that there were times for him where it was bright. And I'm not saying I'm like the Savior and would know all those things, but I think the Spirit of the Lord can teach me when it is right to be a little more, um, to stand up a little more for the, for the truth and for the right, to do the things in here that are negative. I think that um, Doctrine and Covenants 121, reproving yeah. with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That, that part with sharpness, with yeah. clarity. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't need to take an approach where I scatter. Right. 
when I can I can do it with sharpness. All the things you've ever done wrong, I'm going to throw at you. Yeah, no. I, I need to go after that one thing with yeah. everyone else and with myself. Yeah. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's the doctor with a rusty scalpel just cutting it, you know, trying to get <laughs> Whittling it away, yeah, like, head to foot, looking for something yeah, in your arm. whatever I can. Can you imagine, like, <laughs> that kind of doctor is in for trouble. Yeah. But if that doctor can precisely pinpoint, mm. and then afterwards showing forth an increase in love, yeah. I mean, what do you do in that moment? You go forth and show forth the increase in love, but even the Lord at the beginning of Proverbs I mean, we started at the beginning of this podcast with verse 12 of chapter 3. For whom the Lord loveth, yeah. he correcteth, yeah. even as a father, the son, in whom he delight. And then happy is the man that finds, like my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of correction. Because that's when the happiness comes in, when I can say, hey, this corn is growing in a potato field. Yeah. It is time to get rid of it. Yeah. So that I can grow this pota these potatoes happily. And, and as you're the potato field, be really grateful that God comes in and cuts out the corn. Because your potatoes are going to grow, right? I mean, and I, I, I don't know. I, I love this. I love this conversation. I think we could go for a long time. Let me take us to the end again. We'll start where we ended. No, we'll end where we started. That's we'll Flip it around. Um, <clears throat> the very end of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. He says, then shall the dust return to the earth, that's me and you, as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who, has, who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And then a few verses later where we started, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work unto judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, period. That's the whole of it. Gain wisdom, trust in God. Don't lean on your own understanding. We're all going to die. We're all going to have experience and our purpose. I love what you said, that God didn't send us down here to gain experience without experiencing. And that, I think, is it ties all of this together. Through the knowledge that we gain, we act in wisdom. Isn't it just so easy? Yeah. <laughs> Brother Dougal, thank you. Any closing remarks, any thoughts you'd share with the, especially the young people of our, of our area here? You know, um, I go back to that verse 7 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The dust will return to the earth. And I just think there is so much in this life that is not worth fighting for. Mm. And there is so much that is. Yeah. And, and those things, like the spirit shall return to the God who gave it. Like the day's gonna come and, and I, I, I wanna change my perspective. I wanna change my perspective so that I, I recognize that experience is going to be sweet. Mm. It's gonna be joyful, but it's gonna be joyful because I'm going to, I think it's back in Helaman, I think it's shared and it's shared in a few other places, but it, it, it's shared in John, you know, we shall see him as he is. Mm -hmm. And that's such an interesting line because I think we often flip it around and we're like, oh, in that time, <laughs> we're going to be happy because we'll see ourselves as we really yeah, are. Right. 
But it's, no, we will see him as he really is. And we'll recognize the character of God is maybe one that we have changed throughout mortality to fit our own struggles and our own weaknesses. But when we see him as he really is, that experience is going to be so sweet because we're going to see how much he loves us. We're going to see how much he cares. Like a father to a child, how much he would do anything in that moment for us. And I think... When that happens and we look at this life and we go back to that conclusion and it's like, you know, just just do this. Yeah. I just want to be the kind of guy that does. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, for the young single adults, for the members of the church, for anyone that, you know, hears these words, I, I promise you there is so much more happiness in living the gospel than living the gospel according to me and my perception of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And there is so much more to living the gospel than, than and and loving the character of God than changing the character to fit my right. my needs right now. And I think if we can understand a true character of Christ, our purposes both in this life and mortality, they will just be so much more centered. Yeah, they won't be fringed, they they won't be drastic, they won't be, they will be so to the center of the teachings. Mm-hmm that we as members will find peace, yeah. that we can gather people from both sides and not just from one or the other. Um, and, and then in the gathering of Israel, how sweet that is that President Nelson says, that is the most important thing right mm-hmm. there. We're not gathering them from one side to the other side. Mm-hmm. We are bringing them to the center where Christ is. In, gathering them in. Thank you, uh, Brother Duba. My wife often says, are you changing your life to fit the gospel, or are you changing the gospel to fit your life? I think uh, with those wise words connected to what you've said, uh, we'll end it there. We, uh, we just have been blessed, uh, richly ba- blessed by prophets uh, of old uh, who wrote their, their thought journals down. Uh, I'm grateful for our time here together today. And uh, I hope that for the young, young people in our area that are uh, available and, and willing that they would come down and take a class from you. Um, our yeah, little, I'd, take, uh, I'd take them all. Uh, uh, our little uh, experience here today is is very indicative of the wisdom and, and knowledge that uh, Brother Dougal could offer you. So we invite you to come down and be with us. But uh, if you can't, come back with us next week and, and we'll have a, another guy. Hey, <laughs> even better, yeah. even cooler. <laughs> thank you, brother. Hey, thanks Good to so be with much. You. We'll see you later.